Okay, standby podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sportscope. I'm your host, Robert Butler. Going to get into Julio Jones is a Tennessee Titan. Did I say I told you so? Or did I say I told you so? All right. Uh, what 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 are, what are the Dallas Mavericks going to do about Luka Doncic? We'll get into that series. Great games here. Uh, we have um, interesting story uh, on Robert Kraft. NFL stories there. Uh, Logan Paul. You guys name it there. The great Jim Fossil passed. Uh, There's just so much to go on. How good is Kevin Durant? We'll talk about that. Uh, But first, let's get into tonight's game. Grit. Tough. They're... By watching Kevin Durant last night and watching Joel Embiid, who I think they're going to be okay. I mean, they're up 107 to 89. So I guess that means they're 17 point leads, 734. You cannot uh, rule out this Atlanta. Uh, uh, I want to say Atlanta Falcons, because I'm thinking about Julio. This Atlanta Hawks team that, that, that can just shoot you out of your own gym. I had a feeling that they, that they very well may have won uh, game one, in which they did. Uh, but I do like the strong surge that Philadelphia made late in that game in game one. And, of course, that like I said, they're up uh, 107-89, 7-34. I mean, game's not over with. I mean, we're 18-point game. But it does show by, by this particular series, which I think is going to go seven. I'm sorry. I think this particular series that we're watching right now is going to go seven. But I'm going to stay with the home team, the one seed here in Philadelphia. I think that Joel LMB playing with that torn meniscus with 30. And they, I looked this up, guys. They owe him a hundred plus million dollars. Over the next three years, it's like 33 and some change, whatever. So uh, I think that uh, there's a calculated risk with Embiid that this team is taking right now. But if you watch how hard he's playing, playing grimacing, uh, he's really gutting it out. And there is some psychology to that. I saw the hustle plays from Dwight Howard, that big block towards the end of the quarter there. Uh, big shots by the bench. So I, I think that his grit is rubbing off on the other teams. Kind of reminds me of the other series last night with um, Blake Griffin. The grit is rubbing off on the team that's short, uh, James Harden, and Jeff Green is not playing. So I do think they'll get Green back. I'm not sure about Harden. That, I'm, that, that one's a big if there. You know, so now, like I said, now this one's 20-point game now. So I do think Philadelphia's going to get back. I think they're going to get one game in Atlanta, and I think this is going to be a seven-game series. Uh, but, you know, this playing on that torn meniscus, 33-11 points, two assists, 
and he had a few good blocks there. Joel Embiid, I think this team is going to rally behind him. They are the deepest team in the league. I, I can honestly say, looking at their bench, the Seth Currys of the world, uh, I can't remember this guy's name, the guy that hit the bench player, hit the big shot there before the end of the fourth quarter, that big three there. Uh, Tobias Harris got the good combination of defense, offense. Uh, they trust their head coach. I think Philadelphia is going to be okay again from everything that the Atlanta plan on house money threw at them. I'm really impressed with what I see there. Now, going back to yesterday, uh, a lot of I told you so. Now, I did not expect them, uh, Brooklyn, to play this well. I, I do think at Philadelphia, or Milwaukee is going to play better at home. They still could win a game there. Shake Milton, yeah. Hit a three right there at the end there. Uh, I think that was a big momentum right at the buzzer just before the fourth quarter. The crowd's in it. Uh, a deep team. But guys are playing inspired basketball around uh, Joel LMB. One player can uplift a team like that. And going back to last night, guys, I, Kevin Durant, this was, a, this was a stat posted out postseason. Uh, 50, 55% field goal percentage, best in career. 50% three-point percentage, best in career. 32 points a game, third best of career. He's not going to play. He's at that critical 32-year-old age where he's got the right combination of athleticism with uh, the mental game. You see what I'm saying? And... People don't realize how talented this guy really is. I don't think, going back to Durant, that he realized how talented he was until he uh, got with Golden State, started, you know, uh, he, it really bothered him about going there to that easy 73-win team. And, and, and I think that now that he's at Brooklyn, he has realized how actually talented he is. I think there was some insecurity issues there. And again, I've told you guys this on this program from the get-go. Again, you got to use Westbrook as an example. Look how lack of success Westbrook teams have had in the playoffs. I do not think, and I may be wrong with this, but I do not think he has won a single playoff series without Durant. If he has, it's like one out of six or whatever the number is. And Durant is, he's the best player in the NBA right now. I, lo I love what Joel LMB did tonight. He's still doing, they're still playing, you know. Uh, 110-91. I mean, if they blow this, they deserve to lose. So, uh, that that's how good this guy. He he's the best player as of today, June June eighth, my mom's birthday. She got the card in the mail. Um, two thousand twenty one. He's the best player in the league. Uh, two years from now, I think that will probably be uh, Luka Doncic in Dallas. We see that. Uh, uh, Nikola Jokic is the MVP. He just, uh, that, that store broke late this afternoon. Now, Jokic is a guy to come. He's a second round pick. 
Uh, I do not think they're going to win this series. Not unless Paul gets hurt. Paul gets hurt every year. Paul just came back from a shoulder injury. Uh, they played great last night. But if Paul gets hurt, I think Denver wins. If Paul don't, uh, six or seven, I think they're going to win that, uh, win a game or two in, in Denver. Uh, the Joker is that good. Joker was is the latest, uh, highest, lowest, however you want to put it. Drat lowest, I guess lowest would be uh, uh, the proper way to put it. Drafted player ever to win the MVP pickles. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Nikolai Jokic was a late second round pick. And that just goes to show you hard work, dedication goes a long way, okay? But, uh, you know, I feel good about my pick with this Brooklyn team. Uh, I was a little concerned about Harden, but as I told you guys at the beginning, thank you, thank you, uh, Brian, good to see you. As I told you guys at the very beginning, when we started talking about this big three, these three guys, these three guys, uh, Durant, uh, Irvin, and, of course, Harden, they're all about a year or two younger than the Boston Big Three with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and, of course, Ray Allen. So they are in their physical and mental primes. So that was what, and, and mind you, what did I say here that the other national people have not said? I, I consider myself in their league. I'm just not making Colin Cowherd or um, that other clown, Stephen A. Smith, or the other clown, uh, Skip Bayless's money. But I did say this defense is communication and effort. And I said that their age is about the same, they're a year younger, which means they're better athletically than the Boston Big Three. In 2008, the Boston Big Three won year one. Nobody else said that. If they did, I did not hear that. I think this, this Brooklyn team's going to win. Blake Griffin is a guy uh, It was drafted to a, a crappy races owner. We remember that. Uh, had to deal with the worst organization in sports. Then they got Chris Paul. By the way, Chris Paul did finish fourth in MVP vote, and he should have finished higher, but that's just my opinion. Uh, kudos to Tom Thibodeau. I, I think he should have won coach of the regular season, but that's all a different story. But uh, Blake Griffin, and then he gets shipped off to uh, Detroit. He gets the basketball blues like a lot of players do. And then he he's in his 30s now. He's mature, and he's playing his rear end off. And I'm happy for him. Uh, I, I'm, ha I'm happy for Durant. I'm happy for Steve Nash. And his offensive coordinator is Mike D'Antoni, which is the former head coach there. So I think they're cooking with gas right now. I think they're going to win this whole thing, not unless Durant gets hurt. But Durant is the best player in the NBA as of today, bar none. Uh, I like the comeback that Kawhi Leonard did. I like his ability to play the defense. Durant can get any shot he wants. He can get to the rim. Uh, he can make the outside shot pickles. He can he can block you at the rim. 
Uh, he's got a high basketball IQ. He's playing at an elite level. The others, Kyrie Irving, he's feet. Kyrie has to be led to water. You can't make him drink. You have to lead Kyrie. You know, everybody on this team wants to prove something, okay? Steve Nash, never he won two MVPs as a uh, player, never got over the hump in Phoenix. Mike D'Antoni, his assistant, never won anything. His team's never played a lick of defense. Kevin Durant wants to prove that he can win without Golden State and get rid of that stigma. Kyrie Irving wants to prove that he can win uh, without LeBron James. Uh, who's the other one? Blake Griffin wants to prove that he can win without Chris Paul and all that came about that from the Clippers. So these, these guys, no matter how much talent that you and I see that they have, they have a chip on their shoulder. They feel like they're underdogs in Brooklyn. I see the inspired basketball that they're playing. It's fun to watch. I mean, Pickles, I thought that was a NCAA 1 versus 16 yesterday. They were up by 40-something points. Now, this, this Philadelphia team, they're going to gut it out. Uh, I think it's going to go 7 there. Probably go 6. Uh... I got a five, maybe six. Milwaukee's going to win something. And I'm going to tell you, I called the Portland. I said Portland's going to fire their coach. They fired him the next day. I called that. Budenholzer will be fired uh, as soon as this series is over with. Uh, Giannis, yeah, yeah, Griffin's playing out of his mind. Uh, Giannis is going to lay low, but behind the scenes, he knows he's going to need some more shooters. Uh, I thought they had the proper defense this year, but uh, he's going to go after somebody. He's going to vow uh, to get another player. He's got to work on his outside game. He looked great in the regular season. But when you get these guys focused like this, this Brooklyn team is so locked in right now. Uh the sky's the limit. That talent, they're actually getting all of their talent. They're never going to play like this on a Tuesday in January. But now that the money's on the line, uh, these guys are playing great. Uh, I do, Like I said, Milwaukee will probably fire Budenholz when this is over with. They're going to go after some more shooters. Uh, Giannis is going to work on his outside shot. He's still under contract a few more years. Will they make another splash and try to get another big-name free agent, or will they get more role players? Your guess is good as mine. It starts with the coaching. Uh, I know for one thing, I'll tell you this, that this coach here, there's a guy from um, the Golden State Warriors that's an assistant, and that he will um, – I'm looking for his name now because I was talking about him with uh, with possible Dallas going after another coach. And, I, and I'm trying to find his name, folks. You just have to bear with me. I got drenched today. I had a rough day, to say the least, uh, walking in the rain, uh, very irritated. Uh, didn't walk in the rain. I got drenched getting out these lock boxes for my... Um, for my uh, uh, my medical carrier job. Okay, 
So there's a guy. Now I said that what I'm saying also applies to to Dallas. You have a guy who is ready made now, Luka Doncic. Luka is only 22, but he's playing like a 20. He's playing like a 26, 27. Year. He's playing like a Joel Embiid. He's playing like a Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's at that level. Uh, he started playing at 14 years old. So Rick Carlisle has been there for a long time. I think the fact that he calls plays every single uh, possession, that's running off some free agents. I think they got to get more creative offensively. And quite frankly, this guy's supposed to be a defensive coach. They're still not playing well defensively. So uh, poor Zingas has, has woefully uh, underachieved, and he made a comment today that he's not being utilized enough in this system. So Rick Carlisle, you really have to look at uh, Rick Carlisle. He's been there over 10 years. You guys know me in this 10-year thing. I take that. I said that about uh, Ainge, uh, and I was right, Boston. He's also been there since 2008, uh, Rick Carl. So he's over his 10-year rule, okay? I think that uh, now, of course, Cuban's saying that he's safe, uh, but I think that they should move on from Carlisle. But there's a Golden State assistant that's now looking for a head coaching job. His name is Jerron Collins. He has been an assistant under Steve Kerr for about uh, since 2014. That's seven years. He's ready, okay? He's ready. Uh, McMillan. He's too much of a Michael manager, Pickles. Yeah, yeah. Rick Carlisle is saying, uh, Carl, let me put this on there. Carlisle's overdue. Uh, he's too much of a micromanager. Uh, Nate Mc, uh, McMillan in Atlanta. Atlanta is, is the number one defense in the playoffs. Before this game, I, I look, but. They were the number one defensive team in this playoff. They're shooting a three ball like nobody's business. Uh, you're going to – this league is a league of tempo, good passing, excellent perimeter shooting. Everybody needs to be a shooter. Joel Allen Bede hit a few threes today. We saw what Durant did. We're not asking it. We saw that all the sharpshooters at Atlanta – Atlanta's got – Kevin Huter uh, is a sharpshooter now. Uh, Gallinari at Atlanta, scary. Lou Williams, Madonovich, of course, Trey Young. I mean, they are scary good. So this is a spread, three-ball shooting lead, dribble drive, call a play. This going up here, freelancing, running off dribble. Yeah, Kyrie makes it look good. But when you've got a Durant and you've got that kind of hustle, that kind of depth, it works. But you, you got to have some form of, yes, a triangle-like offense where you're moving the ball, getting the best shot. You're taking more three-point shots. Daryl Morey understands that. Uh, the guy that uh, really push analytics to the middle, he's the general manager of uh, Philadelphia. Guys like uh, Steph Curry made it even more prevalent to do that. We saw how good Atlanta's playing. We saw the that tremendous performance by uh, by this Brooklyn team. So uh, Atlanta, I mean Atlanta, they're playing the best defense and they're shooting the ball the best. I mean, you know, if they had one more big player, I mean, they can win the whole thing this year. Think if the Rant was on this Atlanta team, they could win the championship. But uh, so, anyways, uh, 
same thing. I mean, got him. I would make a change in Dallas. Milwaukee's going to make a change. Those teams need one more player. Uh, throw in. Uh, uh, I will talk about Portland the other day. Uh, De- uh, Damon Lillard is, is uh, really quiet. I think he may request a trade at some point. I think if you're Portland, it you make a big splash there. Maybe Jerron Williams gets hired there. Uh, bring in a big name or you move him. Odds are they'll probably have to move him and start over because people don't want to play there that are in their dead heat of their prime. Or they maybe they can make a big trade and bring in a uh, like a Bradley Bill, but they really need a big, you know, they need a big who can defend, uh, one that can score, and they definitely need more coaching, different type of coaching, and that's what they got now. I mean, uh, they, they've already uh, made that move and got rid of uh, got rid of their head coach. So, uh, you know, this is um, we got some good playoffs. I feel good about my predictions. I think if Paul plays, Phoenix will get past Denver. That's not saying a lot, I know. Uh, I'm still sticking with my preseason Utah, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn over Utah to win the whole thing. I think Utah, will, even with Conley hurt, I think Utah will win this series. Uh, with, 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 the, with this L.A. Clipper team, I am a little concerned about the the. Uh, the Mike Conley injury there to the hamstring. But I do think that this team defends well. Top five defense, top five offense. Now that they've got Mitchell back, I think Mitchell was a big uh, contributor there. We'll see how this plays. I understand they don't have wings that play good defense with with Utah, but I do like the chemistry better there. In case you're wondering, they are two and one against this, uh, this Clipper team. In the regular season, Conley did not play in, I think, two of those three games. So, yes, uh, that is what I think of that. Okay, I wanted to start off this show with this story, but that was such a good game. That This back and forth with Atlanta was such a good game, and that was a gritty performance by, again, Joel Embiid. I think that game's over with, isn't it, Pickles? 114 to 97. Looks like they're still up 17. Uh, Julio Jones. Okay, this is a football show. Julio Jones, as I predicted, Tennessee would have been the best fit. Well, the move was made. Uh, Tennessee has him. Second round pick. I wish it would have been a conditional. Uh, second round pick if he plays X amount of snaps, X amount of um, games, uh, what so have you. That didn't happen. Tennessee gives up a two and a four next year. They get Julio and a six in return. Tennessee swallows that $15.3 million cap hit that Julio brings, which is the highest in the NFL. That being said, we have reports out today in Rappaport, one of the best in the business, NFL Network. Tennessee has officially restructured Ryan Tannehill's contract to free up $18 million more million in money. So they're going to get Julio covered. That's going to be okay. Restructure, 
And with the spot track to check this out, that does not mean Tannehill's going to take a pay cut. He's getting money put off uh, till next year and the year after. So Tennessee is going to be hit with a big salary cap casualty at some point in the near future, which means they need to jump in through that window now. It is now. The time is now. You've got Trevor Lawrence. He's only going to get better in Jacksonville. Houston's not going to stay down forever. Uh, Clay Travis is saying Tennessee's going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, Colin Coward went too far the other way. Still says uh, the Colts are going to win the AFC South. I did disagree with both of them. Tennessee with Derrick Henry, with Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown, and Josh Reynolds. And remember, they're bringing back Taylor Lewan at left tackle. He got hurt in the middle of the season last year. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to score 28 to 30 points a game. I do not see any other way that um, that they could screw this up. Now they've got a new um, offensive coordinator, and they've got a new defensive coordinator. Well, they got help on the defensive side of the ball. Would I like for them to get a Melvin Ingram and a Richard Sherman to take to help bring along Caleb Farley at cornerback. I uh, remember they got rid of Adore Jackson and uh, Malcolm Butler at the cornerback position. Those guys weren't world beaters by no means. This wasn't Rebus. This wasn't Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but they had their good moments and they had some bad moments, quite frankly, especially Butler. I love Butler, but, you know, we got the same last name, no, no relation. But um, I'll say this. Yeah, and plus they added Janoris Jenkins. This team, and, and I still stand by what I said the other day, it's not as much on the field offensively. It's the psychological aspect of bringing on the star of who the old status. It tells the other players that we believe in you, but also, but also, we are expecting to do, do big things this year. You know, somebody brought up the drop pass that Corey Davis had in the, the, the Baltimore game. They, they could have turned it around. Tennessee could have got uh, went on a score to go ahead touchdown or whatever. That's true. That is true. Julio Jones makes those catches that Corey Davis does not. He makes those catches. But I'll say this, A.J. Brown, this is my prediction, will still be the number one receiver on this team. You didn't think I'd say that. By the way, Julio says, I don't want your number. Give me number two. We're going to single digits this year. Uh, Give me number two. You can keep your 11. And A.J. Brown says, that's okay, brother. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll keep 11. You can get number two. So Julio's going to be number two. A.J. Brown is keeping his 11 number. What does that mean? It says that I want to be here. I want to win. He has a chip on his shoulder. This team was four wins last year. Uh, they haven't been to the playoffs in a while. He's been out of shape, in my opinion. Uh, you keep having those hamstring injuries. You're, you're, you're coming up out of shape. He's going to be motivated. He's had the football blues in Atlanta. 
talked about this before with other players. Randy Moss, I thought he was completely washed up with, with the Raiders, folks. I thought he, he went to the Raiders. Man, he one one game, Pickles, I was watching him with the Raiders. Randy Moss, 2006, he's looking up in the stands. I mean, he was lost out there. Next year, he goes to, he goes to um, New England, and he breaks all these receiving records. He gets young again. He, 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 he totally gets, remembers how to play the game again. So uh, he will be rejuvenated. This is a Blake Griffin. The Blake Griffin for Julio. So Julio's a lot more talented player. He's, uh, he was often seen as the best receiver in the league most of those 10 years in Atlanta. He's made well over $100 million. This isn't about money. He still wants another stab at a Super Bowl type of team. And Tennessee's got the roster to do it. Um, like I said, it's, you know, you, you've got Schwartz, Jim Schwartz. You've got to help out at, at defensive coordinator now. Um, they're not, they're still going to have some issues against the past. But they are going to be better against the run next year. I was hesitant to pick Tennessee to win the South again until I seen that murder's row first five games for uh, the Colts. The Colts' schedule seems a little bit more difficult. Tennessee seems more favorable. Jacksonville and Houston, I don't think they're going to be relevant this year. Jacksonville may upset some teams. They may beat Tennessee. Uh, when you got a talent like Lawrence, uh, you know you're going to um, something. Something could happen. They 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 may beat the Colts one game. <laughs> they beat them last year, and they may beat Tennessee one game. I wouldn't rule that out. Hold on, everybody. I've got to change out my uh, podcast here. Twenty nine. Now I'm back. All righty then. Now here we go. So it. My thing is, now I am totally, totally uh, have the confidence now that, that uh, uh, convinced is the word I'm looking for, that Tennessee is going to win this division. They're going to win the AFC South. Are they better player for player than Cleveland? No. Are they better player for player than Kansas City? Probably not. Not, uh, but that that could be close. I like Kansas City's defense better. Buffalo is a coin toss. They beat Buffalo last year. That's a coin toss. So that's just the AFC. I think that I think they'll probably win this division. I think they'll probably win a game past this. I don't know how good the defense is going to play. Again, they brought in Doug. De- uh, Bud Dupree off of an injury. We don't know how good he's going to be. They brought in Caleb Farley. He's listed as a starter at corner pickles, which means he's going to get roasted early. That's why they're going to have to be aggressive and score some points with Julio AJ. And I think they will. So, I mean, you got Kevin Byard there, uh, Jonathan Simmons. You'd want an all pro year, Jeffrey Simmons, whatever. You want an all-pro year out of him. Um, this uh, Atelier guy that they brought in from the Colts, you need a better-than-average performance out of him. 
The linebacker play's got to get better. Uh, I, but, I mean, I do like the strength there with Evans there. But uh, it, it, it's those pass rushers. I'd much rather than add in a Melvin Ingram and throw in a veteran than a Richard Sherman, then add Julio. Maybe Tennessee can do some more restructuring and bring these guys in. And, and John Robertson, by the way, uh, send the message that we need to get to the Super Bowl this year because our window may be closing. We may have to start over, okay? Uh, do a Mickey Loomis, you know, where where they're going to be way over next year. That's the general manager of the uh, New Orleans Saints, okay? So it's, you know, like I said, they've created $18 million in space. 15 of that's going to Julio. Uh, they're going to be a fun watch. It's a buzz around town. A lot of the kids like it. It's going to be great for fantasy football. But to win it, getting the Super Bowl and winning it, I just told you there's too many what-ifs on defense. You still got to get stops in this league. Uh, but they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to spread the field. Uh, they will be better offensively. Uh, they lost Jonu Smith, and they lost his slot receiver last year and Corey Davis. And you are placing this, guys, with uh, – they've they got a rookie out of uh, Louisville that's supposed to be a big catch for the fourth round. So I think the offense will be that much better. If they put up 24 points and a half points a game, they're going to put up 28 this year. Well – if that's going to be true, if my prediction's right, the average football game is about four to four and a half points. The average point spreads three to four points, uh, three and a half to four points. I think that they that will put them over the top to beat the Colts in the AFC South. That's the most confidence I have in this team, okay? So, oh, in other news, Tennessee also, and this, this could be a big thing. This could be nothing. They signed a gold medal wrestler, Adam Kuhn. And uh, this guy was recruited, All-American, recruited by the University of Michigan, but did not play college football. He last played football, period, in 2013. Now, Antonio Gates did not even play college football. Uh, that's what we were talking about with the – somebody brought up that up about the Tim Tebow being the tight end. Antonio Gates played basketball. He came out for football. I know he's a one in the gazillion. This guy was a big recruit, but he went to the Olympics. He wrestled in college, and his footwork's good enough. I'm sure they're not paying him anything, uh, but his name is, um, like I said, he was a five-star guy, recruited to Michigan, decided not to play, went to the Olympics. He's a big-time wrestler. He's got good footwork, strength. He's in great shape. We'll see how it works out. John Robertson and the Tennessee Scouts apparently like this guy. Uh, he is from um, – his name is Adam, C-O-O-N. Uh, he, he's going to come in and play guard. He's not going to play tackle. He's going to try out for guard. He might not make the team. But it's an interesting, interesting story. I noticed that it got uh, – you got some play there sticking in the game of football. Okay, okay, the Vikings. Now, first of all, I, as I predicted, Aaron Rodgers didn't show up. And my LaFleur made a comment, like said, basically, it is what it is. 
when he starts, when you start saying stuff like that, he's in this for the long haul here. Um, Rogers, my opinion, even though people were saying otherwise that are friends of Rogers saying this thing's fixable. My opinion, he won't play another down for, for Green Bay. Remember, Le'Veon Bell set out a whole year. So this is not unheard of. That was just a few years ago. Difference between Le'Veon Bell and Aaron Rodgers is people are giving Le'Veon Bell a hard way to go because he plays running back. Aaron Rodgers plays the quarterback position, and he's already made some ridiculous amount of money, $230 million or whatever. So he that $95,000 fine is nothing. So what does this mean? The A the NFC North and and there was a report out this other guy was terrible. Um Jordan Love's terrible again in practice today. And so Kirk Cousins and this rebuilt Minnesota defense, they just signed another good player the other day. Bashard Breland with Patrick Peterson. They had awful, awful cornerback play last year. Their safety play was awful. They had to get rid of some players because they're paying Cousins so much money, which he's not worth it, but they can't do nothing. They're using Eric uh, Gary Kubiak's son, still going to run the offense, still going to have a good running game. So as of today, on this June 8th, if things remain the same, Pickles, uh, the Minnesota Vikings will meet by my pick to win the NFC North. I think Jordan Love's going to be that bad. You, you go from one seed to probably not making the playoffs with Jordan Love. That's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and everybody else. Yeah, they use Brashard, uh, Brashard uh, Breland. Really good cornerback. I'm surprised Kansas City didn't bring him back. But they're putting him with Patrick Peterson, another good cornerback. Uh, Zimmer is good with defensive guys. That word gets around the league. He's a good guy to play for. Defense is always going to play well, except for last year. No pass rush, and the, and the secondary was all jacked up. Too many young players. So I think they rebound nicely, and I think they're going to win the North if Rodgers don't come back. I'm thinking he don't. If he if he does come back, um, and then of course Adam Adam Scheffner is saying as far as Rodgers, uh, you know the quote quote unquote strong as hell on uh, not coming back. That that that's what uh, Adam Scheffner is saying, talking about Aaron Rodgers. Um, okay, okay, so the NFL, uh, very unfortunate death in, in the family there. Uh, Jim Fossil, former Giants coach, passed away this morning. Uh, around 1 o'clock, had a heart attack uh, out in the Las Vegas area. Fossil was the uh, in this coach of the Giants when they went to the Super Bowl in 2000. You know, I remember... One coach of the year in 97, this guy played uh, offensive coordinator for Denver, Baltimore, had a few jobs in the uh, semi-pro leagues there. Fossil was a coach of that giant team. They lost 38-7 to to the Ravens in that 2000 Super Bowl. One that I thought Tennessee Titans should have got to. They just blew their opportunity. 
But that particular Super Bowl, I know Michael Strahan was bummed out about it today. I remember hearing him uh, say something. Sid Rosenberg out of New York City was uh, good friends. He talked with Fossil about their game after 9-11. Uh, when he went back to the airport, he realized there was all those cars there once they came back. Uh, uh, Jim Fossil, when they had a Monday night football game, Pickles, on 9-10, uh, the night before, on Monday, the Broncos played the Giants. They flew into town and uh, in the airport, and Fossil says he recalls pulling up to a uh, commercial airline, and it happened to be Flight 93. And he noticed that there were several cars there uh, when he went back to the airport at a spot where he normally knows that the cars are usually gone. That's because the people that were dead that were on that airplane. So, but Fossil, uh, Michael Strahan says that that loss, going back to that 2000 Super Bowl to the Ravens, said it bothered him for years. You know, he said he said that really bothered him for years, uh, and he said, you know, thank God for the seven the 2017 that beat the Patriots. He said him and Amani Toomer, they said that it just it just bothered them. That they just um they played so well coming into the game. They took it they they took their their foot off the gas from a mental perspective and thought that they would match up really well. And that Raven team played great and dominated them. But he said, you know, he felt rejuvenated when they came back and won in uh 2007 there uh other news tony jefferson torn acl former raven safety will go play with the 49ers this year uh pro bowl level player 29 years old you know this 49er team i tell you guys they're uh they've had some injuries to the offensive line today got towards acl in uh, practice, it wasn't a big name player. Nobody it wasn't Trent Williams or anything. But I say this: that this team is going to be one that I'm going to look closely to possibly get back to the Super Bowl. I like their secondary. I like their safety. I like their pass rush, uh, running game, and the fact that uh, Jimmy G is going to be really motivated to uh, to come back and prove himself. And I think he will. I really do. Uh, going in a little bit, not a orthodox order, but I uh, will stay in the NFL since I'm in the NFL. Okay, Robert Kraft, was he got a surprise Bentley as a birthday gift from, from three people. I want to say it was Jay-Z, Meat Mill, and as a rapper from Philadelphia, the, the Philadelphia owner of the 76ers, I want to say, and uh, for his 80th birthday yesterday. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is, you know, why he he felt bad for this rapper and out of Philadelphia uh, getting ramrodded through the criminal justice system, uh, pulled some strings, got got that taken care of, uh, pushed for criminal justice reform. This was all in the Philadelphia area. And this guy, he's got a lot of good in him, you know. And these he couldn't find this certain Bentley 
crowd. So they gave him something. What do you give to somebody that has a billion dollars, has everything? You give them love, you know? And uh, it, it was a really good... TMZ put the story out, and they've got a film of him walking out. But, you know, I mind you, everybody... Kraft is a guy who is living every day like it's his last. He, uh, you know, when his his wife died of cancer in 2011. And, you know, he, he he's really, you're as young as you feel. He don't look 80. He looks about 70, 69, 68. I was watching that. And, uh, you know, not just the fact that he did this, for this guy he don't know from Adams. He also took the, um, put a his own private jet and paid for it with his own money to go to China to get some PPE mask and stuff like that and distribute them to the locals. So, you know, this guy, I know about the massage parlor thing. People mock him about that. Uh, he really went head to head with the NFL on the flake gate and all that. But, uh, you know, I've always liked the guy. I think he's a good owner. And um, I think that was a cool moment because you never see somebody like that really look generally happy. It was more thank you for the, the gesture rather than the big gift. Pretty pretty interesting. Pretty interesting little story there, folks. Um, let's see. Going through everything. Speaking of that, there was a fight on Sunday. You know, I, I was going to order this thing, folks, this Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. Turned out to be a great uh, payday for both both players. Uh, this guy went eight rounds with Mayweather. There's no judges or nothing. He's a, got a big height advantage. I want to say Logan Paul's 26. His brother... His younger brother, who knocked out Nate Robertson, is 24. But, you know, I there's some admiration for Logan Paul because I got a little Logan Paul in me, guys. You know, I'm trying to get this program going on a uh, Periscope channel through uh, because I have a regional accent and nobody wants to hire me. But, but listen, uh, listen to what Paul said. Logan Paul before the fight. In 2015, I moved to Los Angeles every morning and every night. I look myself in the mirror and, and repeat 10 times, I will be the biggest entertainer in the world. I have no idea how or when it would happen, but after six years of manifestation, it's happening. Life is a wild ride. Now, this was at 357 uh, June, of, or June 6th, which was Sunday. This was before he had to fight. And here's a quote that he said after the fight, which I thought was pretty cool. If I could find it here, go to my Twitter page. Of course, when I go to it, interesting little quote he's talking about, about believing in yourself. Because the guy made $30 million. My understanding are $20 million. But reports are, now Mayweather... And I like what Mayweather said to it too, but I, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you guys this line. I thought it was pretty good. This is uh, Logan Paul after the fight, beating the odds on uh, fighting Mayweather for eight rounds. I don't want anyone. 
to tell me anything is impossible ever again. The fact that I'm in here with one of the greatest boxers of all time proves that the odds can be beat. I'm the maverick. I go right when they go left. I'm the unorthodox one. I'm the independent one. And everyone has it in them. And everyone can beat the odds and do great things in life. And I want everyone to know that. That's the message I'm here to say. Floyd Mayweather, it was an honor. I hate being a dickhead. I love you guys. I love all you guys. <laughs> it was one of the greatest moments of my life. You know, and I'm happy for him. A lot of people, these nine to five average Joe Blows, haters I call them, mock Logan Paul. Well, Logan Paul don't have to go to do a nine to five because he just made, from my understanding, $20 million in that fight. And, uh, okay, here we go. TMZ Sports last month said that potentially make $20 million for Mayweather-like fight. Now, Mayweather, from my understanding, has made uh, $30 million before the fight and anywhere from 50 to $100 million depending on the proceeds from, from the pay-per-views. And somebody asked him about legacy, and he said, legacy don't pay the bills. Legacy does not play the bills. So I commend both Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Again, I'm a Logan Paul, folks. You know, I started this show with the phone off the Periscope app. You know, nobody's going to hire me with this accent. But if I have a big enough following... And I work as hard and take big chances like your Logan Pauls of the world where I'm a big enough draw where they can't turn me down. So kudos to Logan Paul, man. I really like that story. Uh, I'm not mad at Mayweather. Mayweather's 44 years old. Logan Paul's 24. He's about six foot one. Uh, Mayweather's shorter than me. He's like five, six, five, seven. Major weight difference. This would not be a regular sanctioned fight if Paul... Logan Paul was a major, major boxer. This would not be a fair fight, but, you know, he is a YouTuber. This guy has been practicing for a while. Uh, his first fight was uh, very close. It was against an MMA guy, the boxing, but it was very close. His brother's much, probably a little bit better than him. He's the one that knocked out Nate Robertson, and he beat this other guy. So his brother's working his way up the ranks, too. Two YouTubers with a dream, Pickles, you know? Uh, but I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't order because it was on Sunday night. If it had been on Saturday, I think I would have ordered. I would I would have been the sucker that ordered that fight. Okay. Johnny Manziel. If I can find this screenshot, I'm gonna I got another story here for you. Says he signed thirty thousand dollars in um autographs back in 2013 once i can find it folks let's see do 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 trust me guys if you had to deal the day i would have you would not even be up here doing this tom thibodeau coach of the year doing this job i forgot to get to the nick saban i'm gonna go to that here in a minute uh, by the way, Tennessee Titans are now 30 to 1 after adding Julio. They were 35 to 1 before Julio. So there Vegas is not, that was from MGM. Vegas is not too high on the Julio uh acquisition. But I, I want to see, I want to show you guys, read this 
what okay john and menzel admits to signing autographs for $33,000 while in Miami for the BCS title game in 2013. Remember, there was some issue, and he was saying that didn't happen. I didn't sign those autographs and all that. So now, this not you know, player likeness, nobody's going to get in trouble for it. But let me tell you guys something. For a college student, now this kid had money. Forget about Johnny Menzel for a minute. But for a college student, to make $33,000 in signing autographs, you might as well give him a million dollars. I'm almost 40. If you gave me $33,000 for a few hours to sign some autographs, I'm paying off some bills, man. You know, that's hustling. And now he's saying it because it's, you know, you got the NIL and everything going on. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, but, it, you know, we always knew he was up to no good. But now he can just say, you know, whatever. I can do what I want now because it's about to be legal and I haven't been in college football for a while. Nick Saban signs an extension, uh, Pickles. Nick Saban will be with the uh, Alabama for until he's 77 years old. I want to say 2028, if I can find this. Last Friday, Lillard, Robert Kraft. I'm looking to see if I can find this. Johnny Menzel, Nick Saban will uh, signs an extension through the 28-28 season. We will be 77. Bobby Bowden and Petrino both coached till 80 and 84. Now we all know he's got the seven national championships. In case you're wondering, I'm sure a lot of you are because I was. How many? Does that make how short is is he on wins? He wants to become the greatest of all time. In case you're wondering, a lot of you are. I was when I read this story. Uh, Joe Paterno, the late great Joe Paterno, Penn State had 409 wins. Uh, Bobby Bowden is second with 357. Okay, Bear Bryant is 323. That's who he's chasing, I think. Nick Saban. Nick Saban has 261. So if he coaches another uh, seven years of 2028, count this year and six additional years at 70 per year, that would probably put him uh, to three, let's see, seven, six, 13. He would be right up there with Bear Bryant. He'll be at the end of this contract, average of 10, I'm, I'm saying 10 wins a year. But, you know, I'm sure he'd maybe get 11 or 12 in some years. So, because he's that number one class. Still at the top of his game. So, if he catches Bryant, that'll put him third all time. Does he want to coach till he's 82, 83? He has said more than once that he does not want to coach till he's totally bad. He does not want to do that. Uh, they're not bad right now. They had the number one class the last three years, and the offense is only getting better. This class is the number one by a long shot this past year. So the recruiting aspect is still there. He will be 77 after this contract extension is up. Again, Bowden coach to his 80. That gave him he's 357. Paterno coached to his 84 at 409. Both of them had 
relatively good teams towards the end, even Paterno. They were going to they were winning like nine, ten games a year. But to Nick Saban, to Nick Saban, two losses in a regular season, Pickles. That would be a considered him losing a step. That that that's what Saban would be considered to be losing a step. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he's going to try to pass Bear Bryant up. Uh, he's got seven national champions. Bear Bryant's got six. He's already got him beat there. Might try to win another championship or two, put him at nine, possibly, you know, eight, nine, ten. Ten will be really crazy, but uh, maybe win another national championship, be two better, be third all time. If you look at his winning percentages, and all that other stuff. They've already got statues of the guy, limited scholarships, like I mentioned before, the Mac and Jack show. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, he's still the greatest to me. He's the greatest right now if he retires. He's just wanting to build that resume up. Plus, he likes to coach. You know, he looks the same, in my opinion, as he did back in 2001 when I first saw him coach at LSU. I mean, you look at him up close and you see the wrinkles and stuff, but if you look at him just – Hair, tone, body type, the guy looks the same to me. So that's bad news for everybody else. But I'm always, I don't wait for the other guy to get bad. I want my team to come up, you know? Yeah. Had 10 in 12 years. Yeah, and I talked about, yeah, he had that guy that was doing some uh, shady recruiting too that they ended up getting in trouble for. We talked about that with the the story last week with the – Coach K retired. Okay, USFL. This was brought up to me on the Mac and Jack show the other day. It's supposed to be back. Fox has the rights to it. Uh, Next spring, the USFL originally came on in 83. Uh, The name is being used. Going back to last year, the XFL made a return. COVID happened. Prior to that, the XFL, Street Football League, I originally came out in like 2001, only had one season as well. The AAF was also uh, one season. Dick Embersall's son started the AAF. That lasted one year. That guy, young guy over his head, uh, the guy started NBC Sports and everything. That was really his son. He was kind of, he was way over his head, but you had the guy that started uh, with the not the, the WWF uh, son there, Vince McMahon, he screwed. Uh, he, he didn't even attempt to bring back the XFL this year. So my point is, and then you throw in uh, the NFL Europe, that got shut down. I guess the NFL got tired of that. The Arena Football League's been shut down. So as much as I know in theory to work, if you have the right patience, like I said, on the Mac and Jack show, uh, if you have the right amount of patience, if you have the right amount of uh, resources, money resources, a committed broadcast partner, it'll work. But until that is shown to me, I'm going to say it's not going to work. Like I said, what I, from everything I just read, AAF, one year, XFL, two-time loser, USFL, no matter what you said, that's one-time loser too. Arena Football League. Uh, God knows there's these other leagues. 
So you have to have that kind of, hold on, let me make sure that I'm not losing my. All right, now, part three. Wow, what a what a show tonight, folks. A uh, lot of uh, energetic. And thank you, Kathy. I appreciate that. And, and I'm getting cotton mouth today. You know, sometimes I have these shows and I think I'm going to be terrible because I had a rough day today. And then I end up knocking out of the park. I guess because you all are uh, being supportive. I appreciate that, Kathy. I got your message there on uh, the Zell uh, app there. I think I'll be okay with Bank of America, but I'm going to contact them and see how that works. But either ways, okay, Pickles, there was some Major League Baseball news today. I don't know if Carlos is out there, but I did read that story you told me that um, MLB will be enforcing a rule for a possible 10-game suspension without pay to check pitchers' pickles for foreign substance. And there, Garrett Cole, uh, major league pitcher, highly compensated, that uh, New York Yankee pitcher was asked this today about this, Pickles. Damn, I'm happy. And... Uh, it did not come over well. It was very awkward. And I want to play that soundbite. This is Garrett Cole, the Garrett Cole from the New York Yankees. If I can find it, I'm trying to go up on my. It was a this was a late afternoon story. Uh, Major League Baseball is threatening to suspend. Uh, and will be enforcing pitchers using substance on the baseball. Garrett Cole had quite an answer when asked about using, listen this, Pickles, spider tack, sticky substance on the mound. This is Garrett Cole's answer. Have you ever used spider tack while pitching? Um, I don't. Long pause. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if... Uh... I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, Garrett Cole. There are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players, and um, you know, I I think uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard, and and uh, I've. Stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have. Um, well, that's not the answer that I would want him to say <laughs> pickles i'll tell you uh, i'll tell you this it as far as players using stuff like that uh something i guess that's a substance you can put to have a better grip on the baseball i don't know why some of this stuff is illegal but i'll say this it's been going on for a long time and he did step in it. Yeah, and that was trending today, Pickle. So, you know, we're talking about a league that's getting over the PED period, which is a very 
black dark period in baseball. And then you have the cork bat, the famous cork bat incident. I, the one I'm thinking about is Sammy Sosa breaking that bat and then the umpire picking that bat up because he knew that was a weird break like that. And, uh, and and you have the other sticky substance, which he looked like he stepped in it. I mean, if that guy was on the witness stand, if I was his lawyer, I would be very nervous and uh, sweaty palms. But uh, as far as thinking that stuff goes on, yeah, I'm going to interview uh, Cavarius Tears. He's a University of Tennessee commit for uh, college baseball here in the next few weeks. I may ask him about that, if that's being used. Uh, baseball is such a traditional sport. Pickles, they have, you know, uh, chewing tobacco was a big thing. Uh, Tony Gwynn, I want to say, died of cancer using chewing tobacco. Uh, they're big in, um, you know, chewing tobacco. Uh, certain things that pitchers put on. Baseball is so routine. It's so uh, caught up into their tradition. If you show up a pitcher, uh, we're going to hit you. You hit our guy, then we're going to hit your guy. Uh, you can't go after – you can't be aggressive late in the innings if you're if you're not up by a certain run. Uh, there was a story with uh, Tony La Russa with the uh, – White Sox a few weeks ago getting onto his own player for taking a home run swing on ball three. You got you got you got the uh, chewing tobacco, which they made strides with that. I mean, poor Tony Gwynn. You had the PED era. You've got, like you said, Pickles Don Drysdale. Uh, a lot of these old school guys, these old rules, uh, stuff that players put on their hands. Court bats, steroids. It's an interesting sport in its own right. Maybe they get a hard way to go because there's more games played. There's more opportunity to find it out. And the base football is not perfect. You had the flake gate, uh, bounty gate uh, with the with the Saints. Uh, we had sticky. Now, my dad was telling me about that uh, with players putting that on their uh, hands. To catch footballs, that was out of uh, out of bounds in the NFL. Uh, the flake gate was the um, the, the Tom Brady uh, spy gate was with Bill Belichick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, in baseball that seems to be it seems to be more prevalent. I don't know, I don't know, but I, I think this is going to be a big deal. I, th- I think that it, it's um, it'll be something. That the uh, that baseball wouldn't have mentioned it if it wasn't a major thing going on right now. So keep an eye out for potential uh, pitchers to get suspended. So hopefully Garrett Cole will, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Lester Hayes. You're sorry, and Stickles, uh, Pickles. You're naming all these older players here. Um, uh, I think the Chargers were warming up footballs on the side. They're wiping down footballs, and you're not supposed to. If they're wet, you're not supposed to wipe them down on the sideline. That was some kind of rule. Uh, as far as cheating in football, I know the NFL, the, the Atlanta Falcons, I want to say, 
was fine and possibly the Colts. Don't quote me on that, but I know the Falcons were pumping illegal crowd noise a few years ago. But uh, it's just, you know, anything to get an edge, man. Anything to get an edge. That's an interesting story there, Carlos. I appreciate you sending me that, my friend. I'm trying to see if I've got anything else. I've covered everything from uh, uh, cheating uh, and uh, cheating that's no longer cheating with uh, Johnny Menzel to death. And uh, I'll tell you, oh, oh, Mark Eaton died the other day. Uh, former big man. I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, Pickles. Uh, former center of the Utah Jazz, seven foot four. Mark Eaton, my dad and myself used to call this guy, played in the 90s with Carmelone, John Stockton, calling Mountain Man. And when I read he died, I figured he, you know, big guys like that, poor guy probably had a heart attack or something. Well, I found out he died in, in, in a mountain bike accident. So, you know, Mountain Man dying in a mountain bike accident, go figure. Uh, just kidding, not to make light of it, but Eaton is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you hate to see that, you know, I mean, I thought I was hoping that was not real, but, uh, you know, that was a, um, interesting. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Bike wreck, you know, people got to be careful. You got to wear, you got to wear a helmet, man. I don't know what happened there, but, uh, the mountain man died in a mountain bike accident. And no, that is not a, that is not me making it up, even though I didn't mean for it to come out that way. It just kind of did. But anyways, if you guys like the show, share the show. You got an hour and nine minutes of me today. Uh, I'm going to have to get a big sip of water here. I really appreciate everybody watching. I'm going to watch this later game here. I know we've got one more, Utah. I hope I was right about that game. Utah and the Clippers. I like the... Uh, I like Utah to win this series in six or seven games. And I like Brooklyn to finish out Milwaukee. I like Philadelphia in seven, in seven, unless Embiid gets hurt again to, to win that series as well. So now, nah, you know, it looks like the uh, Jazz are down by 12. So uh, sometimes, you know, here's my thing about that. When Sometimes when you have a team that comes off a really competitive series, they're playing at a certain type of urgency, team speed to a team that's been off about a week. It takes that other team a few quarters to get into the game. So the Clippers may very well steal this game. I, I noticed they're up by 10. That's all. This, this is a little food for thought. But anyways, I will see you guys Thursday here on Sports Scope. Uh, again, if you like the show, share the show. I will be back around 9 p.m. Central Time here Thursday on Sports Scope. Thank you, Pop.